And then, and, and unfortunately within that distribution, a lot of them are doing the job bad, you know, some of them are doing the job really well and that's awesome. Um, but very, very few, the second cohort of people that are companies that are thinking about the experience, um, are so few and far between, but when you find them, you just want to latch onto it, right? You want, you want more of that. Welcome to 33 Tangents, a weekly podcast featuring a rotating panel of co-hosts that all work together in the same company, but live in different areas of the world. The discussions cover a wide variety of topics from digital analytics to working remotely to current happenings in business and technology. Our regular day-to-day conversations often go off in various directions, and the goal of this podcast is to share our ideas and find new ways to engage with others. coming down to the last couple of days of training for the half marathon. I've got that coming up on Sunday. Do we have all your medals hanging behind you? I do. Well, actually these are my wife's. My uh, okay. There. okay. She probably has and by all like, you know, the, the all three five K's and a couple, like the two half marathons. I've yeah. Well, that's awesome. Where remind me where it is. Ocean city, New Jersey. So at the oh, you're doing the boardwalk. Yeah, it's part of uh, like two stretches of it are on the boardwalk. Awesome. Um, one point you go over uh, one of the bridges over the bay um, and back over the bridge. Very cool. So, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. Good weather. You're going to put yeah. in a P, you're going to do a, a PB. A what? PB. Personal, Personal best. best. I don't know. We'll see. It's my yeah. first half marathon in four years. Yeah. Um, well, you're fresh. We'll yeah, I'm, I'm fresh, but I'm also rusty. Out of, out of, out of uh, practice I mean, a little bit. Yeah, if I, I have to look up and see the time that I did there. I want to say it was around two and a half hours, the one I did four years ago. Um, if I could do around two and a half hours, I'll be happy. And then maybe I'll do it again next year and try to shorten it a bit. Yeah. And then really try to go for, you know, for, for, for that. Um, but honestly, if I can do it in two and a half hours, I'll be happy. But I mean, props to everyone that does that. I do not like running. <laughs> so, uh, well, yeah. we've talked about like I don't like yeah. running either. I am not a runner. I I am not. I I didn't run cross country in in school or anything like that. I'm not the fastest of people. I'm not the lightest on my feet. I do it because it's a challenge. Like yeah. it was. It was several years ago. I'm like I need to challenge myself. I need to do something different. Um, and yeah, it's hard. It is very yeah. hard for me because I'm I'm not light on my feet when I run like I stomp and that's part of my problem. So mm. it's and, and honestly, like I wouldn't be doing this if it weren't a fun location. Yeah, you know, I think it's, it's a fun location to go do this where one of the stretches you're along the beach block and then you're up on the boardwalk and then you're out over one of the bridges. You're back. You're back on the boardwalk and and, you know, you end up wrapping up there so it's uh it's going to be interesting you know suzanne's like are you you feeling confident i said yeah i'm I'm feeling confident confident about it that's good because you're only competing with yourself do you get a do you get a sense of what your surroundings are because i i've i've heard from other like ultra competitive athletes um whether it's cycling or running that 
they're they're so trying to beat everyone else that they literally have no concept of what's around them that oftentimes they want to go back and just kind of take a leisurely stroll through the the path so they can see where they ran you like do you have a sense of your surroundings when you're you're running yeah yeah i do the fun ones so yeah i i like the 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 minimum pace is 15 minutes a mile so that's like a mix of walk run walk jog kind of thing yeah um I, yeah, I'm not up in the front. I'm not trying to beat everybody. So yeah, I am taking in a bit of my, my surroundings. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. Cool. I'll try to take a couple pictures as I'm running. Yeah. Uh, that, that kind of thing. I'm that person. You know, that's I'm, cool. I'm, I'm going to come in toward the back of the pack, but that's fine. You know, the, the yeah. goal is to finish. It's, it's yeah. to do something else. Yeah. To do something. Dude, it's, it's honestly, I'm out there to enjoy it. Yeah. Well, that'd be really cool. You know, and I say this incredibly lightly because I'm not into running, Mm -hmm. but, um, you know, when I, when I started doing this, when I started doing five K's in my first half marathon five years ago, you know, before then, like I was never a footwear person, you know, Mm -hmm. I, I had, I had my sneakers, you know, my all purpose sneakers, my, my, my dressier shoes and whatnot. But for me, a pair of sneakers was a pair of sneakers. As long as they look somewhat nice, I'm, I'm happy with it. Um, it wasn't until I got into this that I realized when you want to do this, especially the longer distances of a 10 K or more, you need to pay for a good shoe. Yeah. You, you need to pay for something because that makes a difference. And it's not something until yeah. you actually look into it. That's like, yeah, you know, it's a sneakers, not just a sneaker, especially if you want to do this. For, for sure. Yeah, no, that's, that's a, uh, that's a good point. I think it probably applies to lots of products, right? That, that, that there's like this tipping point where it's like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go from just a generic off the shelf thing to not only maybe a higher quality product, but maybe I, there's this, there's this little running store down the street from my house. That's like on a corner in this like remodeled old, old house. It's this tiny dinky thing. I'm like, how has this place stayed in business for 30 years? But I imagine that when you're running, not only is it the quality of the shoe, but sometimes he's like being able to go in and talk to an expert and have them tailor fit a shoe for your specific needs. There's a there's a huge value to that. Oh, absolutely. And I did that. You know, I went to um, one of those run- running stores and they, they look at your feet. They look at your gait. They look at how you're stepping and 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 where you land on your feet. And they find the right, the, the right shoe based yeah. on, you know, for me, like if you look at all my shoes after a while, they have the same wear pattern, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the same, I, I just, the way I step and chances are, if we were to compare a worn pair of shoes of mine and yours, there's going to be two separate wear patterns. Oh yeah. It's all sure. how, it's all how you step. Yeah. Yeah. Super fascinating. You know, and I mean that leads me into to our topic for today. Wait, you uh, set up your own. You set up your own segue. Damn straight, I did. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I did. Like I was because th- I was like, as I was thinking about this topic, you and I mentioned it a couple weeks ago, and I've been kind of fleshing out this topic, and I've been thinking about it because you know, like I, you know, I, I bought two new pairs of sneakers. 
one to train in and then one for for race day I've, I've used those two or three the ones for race day i've actually used two or three times to kind of break them in a little bit but yeah. i'm not going to buy you know as new pair of shoes train in them and then wear them the same day so i've been thinking about that as, as i've been going out doing a couple miles every day is that like you know like the money I spent on it is going to make all the difference in just feeling comfortable, being able to enjoy it, but then also feeling okay. I'm not going to say good after this. I'm not going to feel good. I'm going to be beat after this, but feeling better than I could if I had just gone to, to just like any department store, grabbed a pair of sneakers off the shelf that kind of were my size and just ran in those. Right. So yeah, I, I did. I set up my own segue. Fair enough. Um, so I, I, as I've been thinking about this topic, like it's, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, there's, I've got two titles I'm working with it. So the, 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 the title, you know, the, the, on the nose title is, is paying for quality. Mm. Um, but then the, the kind of funnier one or, you know, the more creative one is, is, you know, what is the, the cost of, of low cost? Um, so I mean, we could talk about this for hours. We could, and we're <laughs> we're going to continue it next week. We're going to kind of kick it off this week, and we'll, we're going to pick back up with it next week. Because I mean, you know, in if we focus in our business in digital analytics, digital marketing, data collection, usage of data, I mean, there's so many different aspects where you can go lowest price quoted, mm-hmm. or you could you know, uh, spend some money on, uh, on, some, on something quality. And it's not just, you know, when people in our space, and we've talked about this so many other times in, in the other topics, and we've said, you know, like people look at the, the technology as the solution. And I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk more about the services side of it. Um, you know, it, it, it's, yeah, you could pay for a top-notch product, but if you don't have the quality services around that, it doesn't matter how much you're paying for it. So, yeah. Right. So, we, you know, I'm trying to think of the best place to actually start with this, though, is is when it comes to implementation, when it comes to ongoing use and maintenance of it, um, I mean, like, how many times have you seen someone goes with, the you know the, the 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 best price quoted or you know you, you start to see a bidding war during an RFP or something like that oh, RFP or not necessarily see a bidding war <laughs> like following an RFP you know yeah. you get you know you see maybe a bidding war you know start up and then people think oh, okay this is great the best solution the best solution is the one that fits my budget the best and then you know there there's nothing but issues after it a lot. Yeah, I, I think unfortunately uh, a lot, and I I think it's it's probably a, a combination of of things. One, um, it, it's a budget constraint uh, where where the proper budgets aren't being allocated to to really run these programs the way they need to. So a lot of times it may not even be the buyer's intent to go cheap, but their their hand is often forced, and they may not have the position or ability or knowledge to know how to ask for the proper budget to be successful in their role. So a lot of times they're, they're forced to, to really go the cheapest route. Um, another time we see this come up a lot, especially in large organizations is, is nothing to do with the buyer and everything to do with the procurement organizations that have their own quotas and goals for reducing spend. Um, and so this comes up, um, unfortunately 
quite a bit, even after we've been able to get um, a verbal from our from our buyer saying, yes, I want to do this. I have budget for this. You know, I, I'm in agreement with the pricing. Once it gets to procurement, it becomes an issue sometimes. And they will come back and say something like, well, we have a set rate that we're willing to pay for this. And this is over that rate. Or, you know, we worked with vendor X in the past and they were half this price. Um, and so that, that tends to be a challenge. And the challenge with dealing with procurement organizations is they're often disconnected from the buyers they're representing internally. Um, and their goal or what they're measured on is reducing spend um, on a contract by contract basis. And to your point, if they were judged on overall cost reductions, they're, they're probably losing. They're probably doing a horrible job, but their, their metrics are misaligned. Their metrics are, well, on a contract by contract basis, are you doing your job to reduce the price of those contracts? Uh, so I, I, I think it's a structural problem with organizations that often play into this, but it's also a, it's also a people component. You know, we, we tend to on, on certain things. Um, some of us more than others, we like to be, uh, how does, how does Elaine put it to George? Um, very careful with money. Cheap? Are you calling me cheap? Hey, I, when I had a job, I was spending, baby. You know, so we 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 tend to have that personal aspect where we see a large price tag, and that kind of scares us away sometimes. So, uh, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, it comes up more than than I would would hope for. But I think informed buyers. Um, understand that there's a more complex calculation that needs to be had. Um, and it's it's not just the one-time cost of purchase, but it's the long-time cost of ownership um, that, that rarely uh, gets talked about. Even in these, these large organizations, they rarely talk about the long-term cost of ownership. It's the, yeah, but what's the one-time cost of purchase? Yeah, it's interesting that you bring up procurement there. I hadn't actually thought of that when I was just thinking through, through through this subject um, or the, you know this topic for today. So let's let's, let's focus on procurement for for a minute because okay. you you mentioned something really really interesting in that they're disconnected from the buyer, yeah, and you know you've already gotten you know an agreement in place with the buyer that this is the rate, this is the cost. And then procurement comes in and says, oh, no, 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 no. And they're completely disconnected. Yeah. And, and yeah, whether they're given a goal of, of, of reducing costs by a certain percentage or, or, or whatever, they come in and have no contact <coughs> and, and start to muck things up. Yeah. And, and they're disconnected on, on multiple fronts. They're, they're disconnected from their buyer. That's the biggest one. They, they have no idea what their buyer is trying to solve for. Um, and so there's a, a disconnect there that causes an immediate us versus them mentality, even internally within organizations. Um, good procurement teams should be a partner and it should be a goal of making sure that we're making vendor onboarding smooth and that we're um, making sure that the buyer is, is protected and we're not missing any of the dotting of I's and crossing of T's. That's where a good procurement organization should operate. Unfortunately, most procurement organizations aren't good. They're actually quite awful. Um, and so they create this uh, mentality of, you know, we need to win as a procurement organization. It doesn't matter if anyone else loses. And I, and I think a lot about, you know, I, you and I talked a little bit, I think about um, 
the negotiation techniques yesterday. I, I swear once a month I go back and I have it up in a tab right now. Um, I go back and watch Chris, Chris Voss's uh, masterclass because it's so awesome. But one of the very first things I think in the very first lesson that he talks about is that one of the fundamental principles of negotiation ha- is, is lost on most people and that we believe that negotiation is a, a versus technique that it's my goal to win. And he says, no, even with terrorists and bad guys, it's not a, I win, you lose. It's a, we're, it's a collaboration where we're, we're a team. It's not you're on that side and I'm on this side. We're a team trying to come up with a solution together. And that's where I think most procurement organizations fall flat on their face is they, they see it as a negotiation where they win and everyone else has to lose. And, and that just creates really, really bad experiences. Mm-hmm. Why, and this is going to be a dumb, dumb question. Uh, why are procurement um, organizations given that much influence if they are that disconnected? Well, I think it comes down a lot to the fact that most big organizations are run out of fear. Most big organizations manage to the least common denominator. And so the procurement organizations serve as a, as a, as a safety valve, I guess, to say, you know, we don't trust our buyers. We don't trust our managers to go out and buy services or products. Um, so in order for us to operate in a safe environment, we have to have this independent team that's been given a playbook, um, which is the lowest common denominator that nothing can go past that, that, that line, you know, it's the safety valve. And I think that that's why they've been given the power that, that they have is that it tends to fit the corporate dynamic of managing to the lowest common denominator, lack of trust in buyers, um, you know, that, that, that is the reason why they have power, either, as, either direct power or assumed power, simply because a lack of trust um, in, in buyers within organizations. Okay. Yeah. That's a, that's a really good point. So let, let, let's, let's go back to, to the main topic again, you know, talking about buying for, for, for quality. And let's put ourselves in, in the shoes of, of the buyer. And, you know, like, even if we think, okay, even we get out of our business and we just think about our, our daily life, um, you know, there are definitely things that we bargain shop for. And then there are things that we know that like, this is worth the extra cost. Yeah. Um, whether it's this ingredient for food, you know, speaking to, to one of your hobbies, yeah. you know, I would say it's a particular brand that, that we like to use. It, it, it's definitely worth that. You know, if, if we then come back into, to our industry, it feels like it's, it's just me like that. There are those, those folks that, you know, the large majority of buyers are out there that are just those, those bargain shoppers, mm-hmm. you know, that they, they don't want to differentiate between brand a and brand B and the, the quality and experience of one over, over the other, or, you know, am I missing something? Yeah, right? <laughs> no, you're, you're not. Um, and there's so many different tangents, if you will, that we can take this down. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I need a little drum set in here. Um, I want to get one of those little soundboards so I can kind of start to pick some of those. I thought you were gonna there. buy. I thought you were gonna buy some kind of. 
mixer. I, I was, and then got pulled away on something else. I eventually do want to get like a soundboard for this and, and, and really take it up a notch and take up the entertainment value. That would be amazing. Um, uh, so, so I think that, um, by, by default, we, we, we tend to be, I don't want to say cheap or economical. I I think it's actually a different discussion than that. And it's actually one that we've been having internally with our employees. And, um, the, the differentiator is that, um, most people think about the job and what we've been trying to do is elevate what we do to the experience. Um, and we really started this a few years ago. I'm looking to see if I have it on my bookshelf. Uh, I sent everybody in the company a book. Uh, do you, do you remember oh, this? It's over here somewhere. It, uh, was it the one that the power of experiences? Like thinking in moments or the power of moments or something. Yeah. Anyway, it's over the, here. And I, yeah. The, the, the whole concept started hitting me three or four years ago. Um, and really before that, I went back through my, one of my old YouTube channels and I, created this YouTube video back in like 2009 at uh, a hotel in Santa Monica because I had this amazing experience there. And I'm like, why aren't more businesses thinking in terms of experience rather than just the job? Right. And it applies to, to everything. We can talk about it in analytics. We can talk about it in cooking, like everything that there's the, the concept of the job and there's the concept of the experience. And I'll, I'll give you one example from, from the kitchen where I like to spend a lot of time. There, there are certain things, there are a lot of things in the kitchen that you can use to get the job done. Um, but a lot of those things, there isn't thought into the experience of it. So unless you've ever bought and used high, high quality chef's knives, you don't really understand the experience that you're missing, right? So um, I've been in people's kitchens where they have cheap steak knives from Walmart that they use to cut up vegetables with. Does it get the job done? Yeah. Like the job of cutting the vegetables, you can get done with a 99 cents chef knife or steak knife from Walmart, right? Um, So that can get the job done. But the experience of that is not really great. And sometimes you don't know it until you know it where you're, you're, you have like a $200 chef's knife in your hand and you cut through a tomato and you're like, why did I wait so long to buy this knife? This experience, this is what I've been wanting, right? And we can apply that to, to everything. And some things it's okay. Like some things we just need to get the job done and the experience doesn't matter. But for a lot of things, I think experience does matter. And especially with newer co- cohorts of buyers, they they really want the experience and the experience does matter. And so I, I think that that really is where the conversation needs to be had. It's less about are you cheap or economical? Or are you going with the cheap solution? It's more of a are you paying for the job or are you paying for the service? And by the way, the job is a component of, or the experience. Then by the way, the, the job is, is a subset of, of the experience. So we're not saying we, you just make up some fluffy experience. No, you still do the job really, really well, but you think about the experience you're creating around that product, that service that, you know, fill in the blank. Yeah, totally. It's the it, it's what the the job is actually wrapped in. That's right. Uh, it, it's all of those the, those extras. It's the relationship that you build. It's the 
uh, all of those the, those finer details. And it's funny you bring up chef's knives yeah. because my wife's favorite pre- gift from our wedding was our knives, was the, mm. the, the high-end kitchen knife she registered for. So she didn't actually get it from her shower. She actually got it as a wedding gift from my aunt. Mm. And like, you know, like, I, I can't remember like the, the, you know, uh, uh, we get back to the hotel after the, after the reception, we're sitting there and we're going through, you know, the, the, the gift box and everything. And then she opens it up and like, she's jumping up and down. Cause like my knives, my knives, my kitchen <laughs> knives. <laughs> I it's, it's just such an amazing experience. But again, like there's so many different things that you can use to talk about it. So I'm going to give you one other non uh, analytics related ex, uh, example, and then I'm going to come to analytics. Uh, I was having this conversation with Jim Gordon a couple weeks ago on Twitter. Uh, we were talking about rice cookers, and he's oh, like, I oh, remember, seeing, you remember this. seeing this. So he's like, "Oh, my rice cooker finally died. I got to go buy a new one. You know why? You know, is there any reason why I shouldn't just go buy a thirty dollar rice cooker from from the store down the street? Is you know what's the you know it's 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 just rice, right? And I and I sent him a link to the one I own, and I said buy this one, <laughs> you know, just buy it. And he's like, but you know, what's the difference? I can cook rice in a $40 rice cooker or $200 rice cooker. I don't understand. I'm like, I can't explain it to you. Go buy this. And then you will come back to me and say, I should have done this 20 years ago. <laughs> you know, like there's when you buy something of high quality that not only gets the job done, but creates a really, really fantastic experience around it. Sometimes you can't even explain why it's so amazing. You just know that it's like, I'm never going back to that $40 rice cooker uh, again. So, you know, it applies to, to so many things from a, from a services perspective. Um, again, I just don't think most businesses in general think about it. And, and that applies to services companies as well. Uh, so in, in our industry and in the companies, the agencies that are in our space that are doing similar work than us, um, it's not that they it's not that they don't have good leadership. It's not that they're not great at the job. A lot of them are really amazing at the job. It's just that they've never stopped to think about the the experience. And for, for us, really, that is, is where the conversation needs to be had. I was actually talking with um, a partner representative from a solution vendor in, in our space. And I, and I, and I, I, in that, in that conversation, I said, look, I think it's really important for you to understand our perspective on things that the people that are coming to us aren't coming to us for the job of analytics. Like it's assumed that we can implement, we can analyze data, we can run recommendation programs and optimization programs. You know, that's the job and we're really good at it. And there's lots of other agencies in the space that are really, really good at it as well. That's not why buyers come to us. Buyers come to us because they want to have a really, really amazing experience with a services company. And that's what we offer. That's what we focus on. The job is just a subset, a component of that. What what we're, what we're curating for the people that work with us is an experience. And that's something that I think is incredibly unique. Yeah. And you just said something a moment ago that I made a note of that I think kind of really sums up some, you know, one of my earlier questions around, you know, why are there so many people that focus on the dollar amount and the lowest dollar amount, you know, with services in our space, it's because with quality, with an experience, you, it's, it's not, it's not easy to quantify it. It's not easy to say, this is it. 
it's just a feeling that you have that this is is better yeah right because like yeah no, keep going. Like, I'm... you know, like if you think about it, like you know, some of the things that we've had to put into to SOWs over the years about what we're going to to deliver, it, 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 it's it's crazy because, you know, like you, you have folks that like measure, you know, measure like, you know, how many things are you going to deploy through the tag manager? How many things are you going to configure? How many segments are you going to help us build? How many reports are you going to help us build and schedule? Well, I mean that that's that, that's volume. That's not always quant, uh, quality. Yeah, it's actually. Did you read the? Have you been uh, following the thirty three six Twitter account? Not today. Okay, so I put out a tweet this morning, uh, and here's the tweet: uh, We create tangible value for organizations, like what you're talking about, driving quantifiable improvements, things that we can measure, like cadence and blah 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 blah. We we do that. That's the job. Right. That's the job of what we do. I said, but more importantly, we create intangible value for organizations. We make them smarter, more effective. Um, and, and those impacts are often unquantifiable. It's, it's hard to quantify. Again, I went back to, you know, I don't know what it is about this, but this is amazing. I can't say why I can't really pinpoint it. It just it's I, it's amazing. Um, and and I close it out by saying, you know, even though they're not quantifiable, they're significantly significantly more valuable than tangible value. Um, and, and again, I think that 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 is the the persona of buyer that we work with. That that's what they're looking for. Not only is it the quality of the job, but more importantly, it's the quality of the experience that that we're creating for them. And it's yeah. it's such a huge differentiator. And I. It's is it the bait the the Bader Meinhof Meinhof what what is it the phenomenon where you hear something and then you see it everywhere? Damn it, I gotta go look it up now. I think you're right. Bader Meinhof frequency illusion, also known as the Bader Meinhof phenomenon or frequency bias. So I think if you're listening to this, you're going to like start seeing it everywhere now. You're going to go out. And whether it's in a business context and the vendors, partners you're working with, whether it's in a personal context and it's the sh stores you shop at, um, you're going to start seeing it. And it's, again, it's going to maybe be hard for you to quantify or even pinpoint why, but it's going to be very clear in your head. This company is thinking about the job and this company is thinking about the experience. It, you will start to see this everywhere. And what you'll find is that first cohort companies that are thinking about the job is the vast majority of them. And, 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 and unfortunately within that distribution, a lot of them are doing the job bad, you know, some of them are doing the job really well and that's awesome. Um, but very, very few, the second cohort of people that are companies that are thinking about the experience um, are so few and far between, but when you find them, you just want to latch onto it, right? You want, you want more of that. Yes. And, and again, like we can, we can talk about like the quality of the pieces and, and that's fine. Like there, there are times where the quality of the job is, is good enough. But once you've been exposed to the quality of all the pieces that create the experience, you never want to go back. Right. It, it's like three years ago. Yeah, three years ago when I went, last went over to London, I got upgraded to business class 
and I sent out a picture of me sitting in in in, in business class, and my brother-in-law goes, "Dude, you're never going to want to go back." Nope. And he's not wrong, especially a flight from here to London. I mean, that's a good eight hours. No. No, I, I don't want to go back. I, I don't travel by plane often, but there was a time maybe five or six years ago, I flew first class for the first time. And I'm like, nope, that's it. I'm never going back. And every time, every time after that, I'm like, the the increase in cost is well worth the massive increase in quality of the mm-hmm. experience that I'm having. And I am not going back. <laughs> like the, the, the comfort of, on that flight because it was it was a it was a red eye it was you know overnight and like i was leaving here at 10 p.m and you know the the ability to just stretch out and be somewhat comfortable maybe get a few hours of sleep because i can't sleep on a plane especially like in in, in a regular coach seat so yeah the, yeah the, that upgrade that like, made all the difference and i was like yeah i can't go back and, and again, let's let's bring it back to the, the conversation that we started around, you know, the cost of, of quality. It, it's, it's also a bigger conversation than just and let's talk about, you know, fly flying. It, it, it oftentimes is more than just the price of the purchase. It's the total cost that you need to keep in mind. And let's just play it out from a business perspective. So let's say Jim's traveling to London on business and he's stuck in a middle seat in coach, and it's this really horrible experience. You get really crappy sleep. You're grumpy. You're not happy. How is that going to play out with your experience for the rest of that business travel? And let's contrast that with paying a slightly higher fee for a much better experience. And now what kind of mindset is Jim is rested? He's happy. He just loves that experience he has. And then that now flows into this business experience that he's going to go into. And we just don't think about it, right? Like we think about, and sometimes we have to, right? Like, I don't want to say like, if, if you don't have the budget or it's not there, like, I, I don't want to feel like, well, everyone has unlimited funds and we can just always pay for top quality. But if you have the ability to do it, you need to think about the bigger picture. And I see so many people, not so much now with COVID, but before like, you know, having these like, oh, oh, I hope I get upgraded. I'm on the upgrade list. I'm on the upgrade list. I'm like, this is stupid. Just get the, just, it, you need to be where this is. Like, just pay for it. You know, it's going to be a better experience and you're going to go meet with a client to do a sale opportunity and you're going to be better positioned to make the sale. It makes much more financial sense for you to do that than to like, you know, roll the hope wheel and hope we get it. But again, we're, we're conditioned to think in such transactional states. What's the cost that I have to pay out of pocket right now for this purchase rather than the, well, what is this going to cost me over time? And we have seen that in analytics so many times. And I got to the point where I just didn't care how blunt I was being with prospects when they would come back to me and said, well, you know, agency XYZ uh, is, is going to do this for like less than half than what you're quoting me for. I'm like, go, I'm like, take it. You should go do it. And when you come back a year from now and you don't have trust in your data, your 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 key stakeholders are not happy, you're, you're actually spending more money to try to keep this implementation up and running because it wasn't built in a sustainable way, come back to me. And then we'll help you get it where it needs to be. By the way, that's going to double or triple the price that I'm quoting you right now. Just be prepared for that. 
And some, some have come back, right? Some have come back and said, you were, you were right, but I guess I needed to, you know, see that on my own, but, but you were right. And, and again, it's just, I feel like we're so conditioned and oftentimes the organizations we work in further, um, kind of enhance that conditioning to say, well, what you're spending right now is a more important discussion than the, the total cost of what you're going to be spending. And I just think it's such a short-term myopic losing strategy to think like that. Yeah. And, and honestly, this plays into what we've talked about. And God, you know, we've gotten into this habit. We've talked about this before and we've talked about it. <laughs> well, we, you know, it all, but, it, all, but like, it all kind of intertwines together. Yeah. But, but we, we've talked about how digital analytics is, it, it's stuck in this constant cycle of implementation and re-implementation and re-implementation. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we necessarily covered this aspect of it. We covered other aspects of that, but this is one of the, the long-term costs of being short-sighted with your initial implementation. Mm -hmm. If you do it on the cheap, it's not going to be built well. So then you're going to be spending multiple cycles, which could be months to years, most likely years mm -hmm. um, of just constantly rebuilding and even getting to a point where like, let's just all burn it to the ground and start over from, from scratch. Yeah. And, and is there any reason to wonder why companies are having bad experiences with agencies and services? I mean, that's a bad experience, right? And it's oftentimes of their own doing, they're selecting to create a bad experience. Um, and, and it makes our job a little bit more difficult because when I go and talk to companies, they're like, look, I've had crappy experiences with every agency I've worked with. I'm like, I understand. I know, you know, and part of it is that you're unwilling to pay for a good experience. Yeah. And, and you know, you, go ahead. Good. No, good. No, you, I was going to say, and where we're going to go with this next week is looking at agencies and focusing in on requirements because we've talked about this recently you've talked about it on social media recently are are agencies that just pull put out like boilerplate mm -hmm. requirements you know standard template requirements don't actually take the time to think through it does this actually meet the client needs and now nope it's just quickly get this tag up and then it's just cycle after cycle of why this isn't working and why that isn't working and again, this comes back to, and you're probably going to hear us beat this into the, into the ground. It comes back to the, are you focusing on the job or are you focusing on the experience? And it, again, like, and a lot of, a lot, most businesses are focused on the job and that may be fine, but at least do the job well, <laughs> you know? Um, but most don't even do that. It's, it's very, it's very a lazy approach and there's lots of reasons. And I guess, you know, we can get into that that more next week, but there's no wonder why people are having bad experiences. And again, this is not unique to services. It's, it's across the board. Like let's go back to shoes. You know, my, my daughter probably has a hundred pairs of shoes in her closet and she's always complaining about how her, their, her feet hurt or these shoes aren't good. I'm like, yeah, you pay $10 for a pair of shoes. I'm like, I pay like $200 for a pair of shoes. And I have like four pairs of shoes in my closet and two of them I've owned since 1998, <laughs> you know, like I have a pair of Birkenstocks that I bought in 1996 that are still usable and they're amazing, you know? So 
you know, you're choosing to create a bad experience over a good experience. Yeah. You know? Yeah. The running shoes I just bought were 150 bucks. Yeah. Per pair. <laughs> yeah. But it's but, not only, it's not, it's, it's going to do the job better than any other shoe. But the experience is going to be phenomenal. Yeah. Because it's funny, like you, you talk about shoes and, you know, one of the, the, the things you don't think about, like just your knees, you know, the, you, people don't understand most times how shoes affect your knees uh, when yeah. walking. Like if it's I have a really bad pair of, of shoes, my knees hurt. Mm -hmm. So again, that's like the total cost of ownership, right? Yeah. It's like, okay, well I bought is $10. No, it wasn't. You don't have a blister on your foot, which makes you walk weird. Now your, your knee is hurting now. Like and you're miserable. You're not as mulberry and you're miserable. And now I got to take all this pain medicine. And now like, I can't go out with my friend. Like, you know, I missed three really days just, of working out really, because of it. Really, was it just $10 or was it much more than that? So, yeah. you know, we can say that we can't afford a nicer thing, but how are we affording the total cost of ownership of buying something cheap? Somehow we're digging up the money. Again, coming back to to um, to analytics, it's like, well, this it's going to cost you this. It's like, well, we don't have that much money. Okay, go do it somewhere else. And then they come back. It's like, okay, not only did you spend X plus two, or X times two, like you said, you didn't have the money. Where, where did you come up? You Somehow you came up with the money to spend twice as amount as, as what we quoted you, yeah. you know, but again, it comes back to a, yeah, but that's because I didn't have approval for that one-time purchase, but you got approval to double your budget on maintenance. The money is somewhere. You're paying it somewhere. You're just not thinking about it and you're justifying it that way. Yeah. So. So cool. Yeah. Th this has been fun. And yeah. you know, I, I think we've been able to, it, it was, it was one of those things I kind of had some questions I wanted to dig into and kind of what I'm seeing. And, and, and we did that. And I think we, we brought in some great parallels too. that. Yeah. You know, like I, I think if, you know, for those listening to this, you know, I'm hoping we maybe had a, we did have a couple of aha moments. Like, yeah, I've been through that. Like I've gone out in my personal life and we've all done this yeah. where it's like, Oh, I'm just going to grab this off the shelf. And then it, breaks it doesn't fully do the job and then not only are you going and buying the first thing that you should have bought yeah you also bought the first thing that you did buy so <laughs> you, you you spent more money than you actually did if you just bought the the right thing at the right time the right tool to begin with that, that's exactly right and i will just leave you with this one of the good ways to to measure it is that and it doesn't matter if you're buying a consumer product or a service a, a service um you should look at my attack dog going crazy. Um, nice. you, you should look at um, not only um, the the quality of the service, the quality of the product, or and even the experience that you're buying, but the long-term commitment to that. That will tell you a lot about the brands that you're doing business with. So, so are you buying a product or a service that has built-in revenue because they know you're going to throw it away? So a cheap printer that's going to last a year, but that ensures I'm going to go back and buy another printer from them in, in a year um, or a pair of shoes or whatever, or, and I have, I got my Patagonia magazine yesterday and I'm wearing my Patagonia flannel. Are you paying more for a high quality product that is going to be cheaper to maintain in the long run? But not only that is the brand going to stand behind that. So at Patagonia, they're, they're saying, look, if you get a hole in your, 
elbow in your flannel, bring it in. We'll fix it. We'll patch it. We'd rather you patch it than you buy another flannel from us. So are the brands you're buying from standing behind their sustainability or are the brands you you're buying from have a built in renewable business model where they're expecting their, their product or service to break down so that you'll buy more products or services from them. If it's the latter, then you know the type of experience you're in for. It shouldn't come as a surprise to you. Making a note about that. Cool. Well, this has been, this has been a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I, it's always great. Like. Yeah. I, I like talking about it too, because it's one of those things, like when you get into certain conversations, we're talking about stuff that isn't easy to, to quantify, but when you start to come up with analogies, it becomes very easy to show the difference. Yeah. Yep. For sure. I'm so. excited about this topic for the month. Yeah, yeah, same here. And I think we've got some, some good stuff. So we're going to pick up with this again next week. Awesome. And then we'll wrap up for now and talk to everybody later. Sounds good. See ya. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of 33 Tangents. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate and review the show on your favorite podcast aggregator so others can find us. If you would like to reach us, you can do so by emailing podcast at 33sticks.com or on the web at 33tangents.33sticks.com. 33 Tangents is a production of 33 Sticks, an analytics boutique.